I've studied women and men for over 30 years. Before I was married, I was a counselor, counseling married couples. I have read over 300 books alone just on male and female development, wanting to learn about life. And it has afforded me the opportunity to be able to teach millions of people uh, the truths that I have learned from the Word of God and all those other books that have helped me to understand this word even better. And so I've had the privilege of also documenting some of that information in books that have become best-selling books. And I'm very humbled by that. Uh, uh, I asked them to ship some of those books here today just for you. And we've got five of those books here today. Three of them are required reading for anyone who wants to succeed in relationships, especially uh, women who want to not make mistakes in relationships, who want to improve their marriage or improve their preparation for marriage, or to understand themselves as females. And those three books are called the Love Series, so three different books. As a matter of fact, uh, they look like, like, like this. You can't get a shot of that. When you go back to the resource area, you'll find these three together. And this is a special, uh, a special rate. You actually, I think they took $6 off the whole thing. But that's because we want to actually make sure you get these. So we are eating $6 back. We're giving you $6 uh, uh, free because we want you to get these three. When you buy the three together, now each book is different. And one of the books deals with the 15 differences between a man and a woman. And men are completely different from women. I mean, most people don't understand that in Massachusetts and San Francisco yet, but, but they will. And if you do have somebody who may be having some struggles with that, buy a set for them too. All right? But each book is separate. And they're different, but they come as a, as a, uh, a packet. I want to recommend just grab them and take them because it's very important to get this information. It took me, like I say, 32 years to write these three books. And that's how much we wanted to make sure we understood and, and that they were principles that worked. Uh, I wish I had time to really teach another session, which I don't have the opportunity to do because I got to fly out tomorrow, but because it's an important session to really detail why a woman and a man are different and how they're different. For example, a woman never tell you what she's thinking. <laughs> she only tells you what she's feeling. And a man doesn't tell you what he's feeling. He only tells you what he's thinking. That's why they're always arguing, because they think they're listening to hear each other. <laughs> so when a woman says to you, get out, don't come back, don't leave. Don't pack your bag, brother. That's just the way she feels at the moment. If you leave, she'll kill you. <laughs> and when a man says, woman, you're stupid, it doesn't mean that's what he feels about you. That's what he calculated and he analyzed for the moment of the present condition that you seem to be acting a little stupid. So he doesn't mean that you are a stupid creature. He's analytically assessing your present state. Why? Because a woman is emotional, but a man is logical. They're different. So a man calculates, a woman emotes. 
Anyhow, it's important to know the difference. There's, there's, there's 22 of them and 15 of them are required to understand. Otherwise, you'll never get along with the opposite sex. So I want to recommend those to you. And then the, the last packet is, please look at this, very important. Get a shot at this, please. I want every woman to grab a copy of this book. Some of you are clapping, you've probably read it already. It's called The Power of Woman. The Power of Woman, very important book. And in the back of this book is another book called The Power of Men. Now, the women need to read this book and then need to read this book twice. Because <laughs> women are strange and men are weird. Okay? I want to recommend these. They also go in a package. I think they got a special on these two. But I want to recommend you, ladies, to please get this book and uh, buy two for someone who is not here. Take it with you. and hope you don't uh, run out back there. But I wanted to mention those just briefly because I won't be able to finish this. And it's important to get the entire counsel of God. Amen? Now, I'm going to use the screens tonight. Get your Bibles and your notebooks and let's go to work. I want you to write fast and write good so you can understand your own writing. Uh, I'm going to use PowerPoint a little bit, so they're going to be switching back and forth between the screens. And uh, if you can shoot up on the screen now, that'll be fine. I want to talk about this, this topic, the power of woman. The power of woman. The power of woman. This, this statement is still not understood properly by women or by men. We're going to be focusing on understanding the nature and the assignment of the female. Understanding the nature and the assignment of the female. I want to begin with a few statements which have to do with the challenge of the 21st century woman. Uh, it's tough to be a woman today. Very difficult to be a woman, a female. It's even more difficult to be a male. And that's why most males want to be women. <laughs> You'll understand that in a little while. Why is it so difficult to be a female today? Let's take a look at a couple of thoughts. I believe that the most difficult challenge that a female faces today is the fact that she is living in a world designed for men. And this goes all the way back, I think you can go back about 50, 60 years when this really hit at the height, when James Brown, the famous singer, wrote a song, this is a man's world. And that song captured the attitude that most men had toward women. Matter of fact, one of the common statements they made was, know your place. You all remember that? And sometimes they told you where your place was. Where was that? In the kitchen and in the bedroom. In other words, there, were, there was such a graphic negative attitude toward women by men that even when men had company over, they told their wives to, you know, leave the room. And this was in the Western world. We're not talking about the East, where it's even worse. And so this spirit of a woman being caught up in this world that men created placed women in a very difficult position. Most of you women are still trying to survive and to emerge from that, still struggling with that. A lot of men are having crises right now because men don't know what to do with the new woman. 
because the world is no longer a man's world it's changed since World War II it's very important to understand that ladies secondly the 21st century woman is pressed on every side to be everything to everyone all the time it's tough to be a woman actually today they want you to be a man and a woman at the same time they want you to work and also be a homekeeper they want you to have babies and raise them and then pay their tuition too I mean it's incredible a woman has so much pressure it's difficult and then thirdly the average woman is confused and insecure about her purpose and her role in life and that's a real problem because some women are not sure what it is to be a woman anymore and that's why many of them are experimenting what does it mean to be a woman today now I must also balance this by saying it's worse for the men because the men are in such crisis the men are your greatest problem because the men don't know what to do either they're not sure what it is to be a man anymore the average man in this country and in my country and in the whole western world is struggling with his true manhood he doesn't know what it is to be a man you remember that about 40 years ago it was very easy to be a man 60 years ago it was automatic to be a man because the roles were very clear he goes to work you keep the house you have the babies he buy the food I mean it was very clear and that's why your grandmother didn't have a divorce there was no divorces back then because the roles were very clear everyone knew where their place was the man place was out working woman's was home keeping home and then the man bought the home the woman cleaned it and kept it the man bought the food woman cooked it and served it it's very simple matter of fact most women and men at that time didn't have a problem with one another because there was no competition and no contention the man knew where the woman was all the time she was home and she knew where he was he was out laboring As a matter of fact it was so tough to survive 60 years ago that everybody had to keep their roles clear it was simple to be married and to love one another. Matter of fact, uh, your, your grandmother and grandfather did not really express love the way you express love today because they didn't have no, they didn't have no time to do it. He was, busy, he was busy working 10, 12 hours a day. By the time he came, all he wanted was food, sex, and bed. I, I, I call him the caveman. You know, caveman coming. Sex, boom, finish, boom, sleep. Caveman. And you know, the woman back then didn't complain. Why? She understood. He worked all day. He was tired. She had his food ready. She fed him, had sex, went to bed. He's happy. Next morning, he goes back out in the forest on the jungle of life and work for her and take care of the kids. And so she actually respected him because he did that. He worked hard. And she she was respected by him because he knew she took care of the kids and the home and, the, and everything. So they respected one another. There was a high respect for them, each other. Their love was based on their roles. They, she loved him because he worked so hard to keep the family together. He loved her because he took care of the home. She took him home and took care the kids and he appreciated her cleaning his clothes. I mean, there was this re mutual respect. And then something happened. World War II came. World War II changed the world in ways we have not calculated yet.
Remember World War II came, the Western world got involved in the war and hundreds of thousands of men in America went to Europe to fight, went to Japan and other areas. And what happened? The men used to work in the factories, but now when the men are gone, then the women, the factories were kind of quiet and so the women were asked to make bullets and to instead of you know sewing they had to learn to make tanks and if you study the history of America that's when women began to leave the home to go out and work for the war machinery are you listening carefully so the men are in the in the battlefield they left home the women now have to go and make the bullets for the men to use in the guns so women began to leave the home because of the displacement of men and what happened now you have after the war was finished 1945 the war is finished the men come back home and there's no one home where is she she's in the factory guess whose job that used to be his job so now he comes back with two problems one the home's empty and she has his job problem she's now earning revenue so now we got three problems because he used to provide everything that's why she respected him now she's making more than he's making so the the respect has dropped thirdly they used to need each other that's why your grandmother and grandfather never got a divorce they needed each other matter of fact if she didn't mention leaving his, his question would have been where are you going <laughs> she had no money she had no support so that's why she stayed that's why many times you know uh, 60 years ago a woman may be abused by a man but never leave she had nowhere to go there was no other support so she stayed she made the marriage work he made the marriage work but now we got a new equation we got women out working now we got men displaced and they're not sure what to do and you know back then a man's manhood was measured by simple things like he builds the house for her he earns the food he brings home the bacon yeah, he pays the utilities, he takes care of the kids as far as their, their maintenance, and he protects the family. And it was clear, that's what a man does. She was very clear. What she did was she kept the house clean, she kept the kids in order, she cooked the food, and she took the money and distributed properly. But now here comes a new equation. He comes home, and today is still being felt he doesn't know what it is to be a man anymore. I mean, women, and it's not your fault. Please don't think it's your fault. It's what happened to our social structure. So now we have men today, since World War II, don't know how to be a man. Now, your grandfather told you, boy, you want to be a man, put your foot down in your house. Your answer is not my house. <laughs> Some of you get it later. See. When a woman meets a guy today, he's in trouble. Why? First of all, she, she owned her own house already. She got her BMW. She got money in the bank. She looking fine. She got a refrigerator with food in it. And then she says, I want you to be my man. And the guy goes, okay. So how do I be that? And she says, take care of me. He said, okay, I'll buy your house. I got that. I buy a car, I got that. I get some money, got too much of that. I buy some food, got that. So how do I be a man? Don't know, just be a man. See the problem? So he's frustrated. So what does he do? 
The only thing that he has left that you don't have is his strength. So the result is domestic abuse. That's the one thing he could always say he could give you that. It's very serious. He physically abuses you. And that's why domestic violence is so high. Because we got a male in crisis who is frustrated at misunderstanding what manhood means. Because he, you see, in the past, womanhood and manhood was measured by the roles that they played. But now the roles are gone. 40 years ago, the man bought him the bacon. Today, the woman owns the pig. <laughs> Am I right? What do you do when, when the woman makes more money than you? Men fall apart. They don't know what to do with that. They don't know, well, what, how am I supposed to feel like a man if you make more money than me? See, and he feels this, this crisis inside. And that's why it's important for you to come to a company just to learn not only that that is happening, but what do you do about that? And whether the way we measured womanhood and manhood is the way it should have been measured. Let me just say this very quickly too, that nowhere in the Bible does God ever tell a woman to cook? It's not in scripture. In other words, matter of fact, here's a surprise. In the Bible, if you study the Bible carefully, the men cooked. Uh-oh. Matter of fact, if you want to marry a good man, first question, can you cook? Very important. Do you remember when Isaac was about to die? This guy's on a dead bed. Now, you know, when, when someone's dying, they want the best meal. <laughs> Isaac was married, but he said, look, I don't want you to cook, baby. <laughs> I want your son to cook that soup that he cooked. It was the men that cooked. I would tell men, if you really want to follow Jesus, you got to learn to cook. They look at me strange. I said, well, let's study it. How many men want to be like Jesus? They always hold their hands up. Want to be like Jesus. I said, good. Then study Jesus. Jesus was a cook. You remember when the disciples went out fishing after the resurrection? It says he cooked fish and bread on the shore for them and fed them when they came in. See, he cooked boiled fish and Johnny cake. Real men cook. Say it with me. Real men cook. You go home and tell them that, all right? So this, see, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that the roles have been confused with the purpose. A woman is not a woman because she cooked. It's another way to identify your womanhood. A man is not a man because he brings home money. Matter of fact, if you study the scriptures carefully again, this is very weird for some of you to understand, but in the East they still do this. The men actually stay in the tent. The women go and take the sheep and goats out. It's reversed. The men stay home in the Middle East. The women go out and become shepherds. Very rare to have a real men as shepherds. You know, some of you think that men are always shepherds. Not necessarily. 
most of those cultures, the women are the ones that go out and wash the sheep because the men stay at home in the tent to protect the treasures of the tent. So historically speaking, the man's place was in the home. Some of y'all looking shocked. It's getting quiet in here. That's why you're here, because I want you to understand that staying home doesn't make you a woman. That's still a role, you see? You're confusing the role with your inherent purpose. And that's why we're here tonight. I want to show you from the Bible what the purpose of a woman is. It's going to blow your mind. You are an awesome creature. Awesome creature. First of all, the female controversy is a big one. And that is the role, the position, the rights, the privileges, the expectation, and the relationship of the female in our society is our biggest argument. How much power should a woman have? Should a woman be a leader? Can a woman lead? Should a woman be the head or not of a home? Can a woman lead a company? I mean, people get, should a woman be a preacher? Should a woman be a pastor? All these confusing questions people have about women. And mostly it's men who got those problems with women. Some societies have even gone to the extreme because they perceive women as personal property. If you go to the Middle East, it's still this way. It's as if they own women as property. Women are seen as, as that domestic slave. They actually see women as simply being born to take care of their needs. It's men's attitude. Some see women as chattel, and this is still real. They sell women on the block in many cultures. Women are also seen as simply objects of sexual gratification. Many men see women as something to conquer. They don't respect this beautiful creature. They see it as a sex object. Then we see the attitude of women as personal servants. Go this, get that, fix that, iron that, cook that, just like slaves. And then we get men who think that women are inferior to them. You could never be as smart as me, they say. Men are more intelligent. Men are more, have more wisdom. Women need men to guide them. This attitude that women are inferior. It's a still a problem today. And then we get this attitude that women are unintelligent. Some women got a PhD, but they still won't give you promotion. Because they measure intelligence a little differently than academics. And some of you are struggling with that. Some of you went and got degrees and went to night school and come back and they still won't promote you. Because there's this unspoken attitude that you don't measure up. Then there are those who think that women are weak. What a tragedy. Let me tell you something, the most dangerous creature on earth is a woman. My wife read it tonight. Solomon says she can destroy a king. I'm going to show you why a woman is so dangerous tonight. You are powerful, awesome power. And only smart men know how powerful women are. It's the dumb man who thinks you're not powerful you the, that's the one, that's, you the one, he's the one you get. That's the one you get, you got it. He thinks you're not powerful, see. You are awesome. I'm going to show you how Jesus thought about this as well. 
And then finally, they see women as worthy of abuse. You know, after all, she's not as equal, so men abuse women. What a tragedy. I was in a session last night, in a counseling session, and here's a story of this woman going through some problems, and I was like, if I could find this guy, I would drag him in the alley and take a baseball bat and pray first. <laughs> and then I will beat him, kill him, and tell God he died. <laughs> I mean, this guy was abusing this beautiful woman. The things he was doing, I'm like, how could you live with someone like this? This is a beast. Some men don't think anything about it. They, they hurt you, they emotionally abuse you, physically abuse you, psychologically abuse you, and then just go on and string their bear or go watch TV as if it was nothing. God's going to judge them. And he will vindicate you, I promise. God will vindicate you. Now, this last point here, only in recent history has the plight of women been given the attention it deserves. And I'm so glad. And this conference is a sign that that attention is being given. We're separating the women from the men, the women from the children. We're getting you into a place by yourself, having workshops and day sessions to talk about issues that affect you. That's important. The United Nations have been trying to do some things in this area in different parts of the world. And of course, you know, their philo philosophical and, and uh, principal foundation is a little questionable. But at least they're trying to give some attention to women's issues. But nobody can deal with women better than the one who made women. Can I hear an amen? amen? All these problems that women are facing today, it was not so in the beginning. Say amen. amen. Say praise the Lord. Lord. You're going to shout in a minute when you get this. See, whatever, whatever you are today, that ain't what God made. Mm -mm. The, the woman that God made, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Ooh, what a woman. And I believe that that woman is close to emerging again. She's sitting right next to you right now. Go ahead, clap. Believe it. She's going to emerge again. How does, how does a woman react to all of this negative lifestyle? Number one, Women believe that they were created like men. And so the problem is they try to be men. In other words, because a woman has been treated so badly, she believes that she should compete with men in order to regain or gain some kind of equality. That's not the way you become a true woman. You don't compete with a man. But that's what some women are doing. They're reacting that way. If you could drive a tractor, I could drive a tractor. If you could be a mason, I could be a mason. See, it, the motivation is wrong. When you compete with someone, you are admitting that they are superior. It's very subtle. And so women spend the rest of their lives trying to be like men. He could be a CEO, I could be a CEO. And so you have this struggle going on. Then thirdly, women believe they must do what men do to be equal to men. That's a tragedy. He could wear pants, I could wear pants. He could wear ties, I could wear ties. He could be a supervisor, I could be a supervisor. There's this 
this attempt to be like the man, that still doesn't make you a woman. It simply makes you a man. You got to stop pushing to try and be like him. Because most of them ain't worth being like. You got to discover yourself. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What did God make you to be? And then fourthly, some have become men and have lost their unique female essence. I've seen some women who I'm afraid to be with. They look too masculine. And the way they walk, I mean the way they talk. It's just not the beauty of the quality of the essence of the quintessence of femaleness. No man wants a mannish woman. Some women act like they don't need men. You'll never get one, I promise. No problem. What you don't need is to be a man. But when you don't know what a woman is, then you gotta try your best to be that, something. And then, the fifth point is important. In order to answer the questions of how to become a woman, you have to discover your original purpose. The female can only be fulfilled when she understands and submits to this purpose that God first created her to be. And you know, I wanna talk a little bit about that, that, that word purpose, because I think it's important to reiterate this. Write this down, please. The principle of purpose. Number one, God is a God of purpose. Say it with me. God is a God of purpose. Number two, everything was created with and for a purpose. Say it with me. Everything was created with and for a purpose. And number three, not every purpose is known. Say it with me. Not every purpose is known. Very important. And number four, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. That means if you don't know the purpose of a thing, all you can do is abuse it. That includes you, yourself. And number five, it's very important, if you want to know the purpose of a thing, never ask the thing. The worst thing a woman can do is to ask another woman how to be a woman. If a product asks the other product why he was made or why she was made, they're gonna get the wrong answer. Why? Because purpose is only found in the mind of the maker of the product. Purpose is defined as the original reason for the existence of a thing. Purpose is the original reason why a thing was made. Purpose is defined as the original intent for the existence of a thing. In other words, every manufacturer makes a product with an intention in his mind that he wanted it to fulfill. When God created you and me, he had an intent behind his motivation. There was something he wanted that required the product. There's something God wanted to do on earth that required a female. And there's something God wanted on earth that required a male. And both of those things were different. So he had to make the products different. You are what you are, how you are, and who you are because of why you are. There's something God wanted. And this last principle is very important, and that is purpose is the key to fulfillment and preservation. That means if a product or a thing discovers its purpose and fulfills it, it will be fulfilled 
and also it'll be protected. If I, if I bought a VCR machine today, take it home and put it in the, in the bathtub in water, what would happen to it? It'll malfunction. Yes. In other words, I will be abnormally using it, abusing it, because I'm not using it for the purpose it was created for. That's the same thing that happens to anything that is not used for its original purpose. It is not preserved, it is destroyed, and it doesn't fulfill its reason for being. That's important for you to understand because a woman, if you don't know why God created you and what he wanted you to do and why he gave you your uniqueness, then you will keep on experimenting with your life, abusing your life, and eventually you will destroy yourself. So tonight, we're going to take a look at what I call the manufacturer's manual. You know, when you open that VCR box, when you buy it, the first thing you see is not the VCR. You see this book on top, you remember that? You see this book. Now the book normally is very clear, it has on it, before operating this product, please read this book completely. How many of you read it completely before you read it? Stop lying, you know you don't. <laughs> no, don't lie in church. You don't read that book. Now, here's the problem if you, if you, if you don't read that book. If you don't read that manual, then that is why the clock on your VCR is blinking right now. <laughs> Look at the guilt going through the crowd. That's the guilt. Now, why is the clock blinking? Well, let me ask you another question. How many functions does your VCR has? Well, according to the manual, it has 12 functions, but you only know four. Stop, rewind, pause, and play. That means there are eight functions that you literally paid for, but you are abusing. Why? You did not read the manual. What's the manual? The word manual from the word manu. Manu means to make. Manufacturer is the factor that made it. So the one who makes it is called the manufacturer. Manu means to make. Factor means the factor that made it. Manufacturers make the product. When they finish the product, they put the manual in the box. Manual, manual means to make, and all is the word for thought. So when you say manual, you're saying the manufacturer took his thoughts, the maker put his thoughts in the box, and sent his thoughts with the product, and said, before you use my product, read my mind. I'm going to talk to someone here a little bit. In other words, the reason why you are abusing the product is because you didn't read the manufacturer's mind. So the key to operating any product effectively is to get the mind of the maker of the product. Because no one knows a product like the manufacturer. Do you agree? Yes. Wouldn't it be terrible to take your, your Mercedes-Benz to Toyota dealer to be fixed? You don't do that, do you? No. And what we keep doing is we keep taking God's product to unauthorized dealers to get it fixed. And that's why we got lesbianism so strong. Because women go into the wrong people for counsel. You know, it's incredible to me. You go to a psychologist to get help with your marriage, and a psychologist has been married four times. <laughs> oh, come on, think about this. Where's your brain? 
if the psychologist has information that could help you, how come their marriage didn't work? You see, we keep going to the wrong unauthorized dealers. Let me tell you something. Congress did not make women. Mayors in San Francisco did not make women. Theologists and theologians did not make women. You were not made by social scientists, behavioral scientists. You were created by Elohim Universal. Yeah. Company Incorporated. Yeah. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Yahweh Eternal Limited. Yeah. <laughs> you were produced by God. Which means that the only person that knows the truth about your product is the one who made you. And so what he did was, he sent you with a manual. And he said, before operating your product, please read the manual completely. What do we read? We, we read love romance books. We read ebony. We read all kinds of magazines. We read all kinds of interesting books, but we don't read the manual. And so we get other people's opinions rather than the manufacturer's truth. And that's why it's so important in this conference to bring women back to the manufacturer's manual so that they can hear what the manufacturer says about them. Oh, I'm excited, but what are you going to hear tonight? Matter of fact, I'm afraid if you don't hear what you're going to hear tonight, because you're going to have a problem. No, you're going to be a problem when I'm finished. No man going to ever be able to fool you again when I'm finished. You're going to be so sharp. Hallelujah. The manufacturer, therefore, is the only one that knows you. So please turn with me to the manual, section 1, subsection 1, article 16. That's Genesis for those religious people. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read verse 26 and 27 and 28. Let's read up on the screen, please. Appreciate it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, let us what? Make man in our own image and in our likeness, and let them have what? Dominion or rulership over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle of the field, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the ground. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female, he created them. God made them different. Male and female created them. Now, I want you to understand this passage, okay, because some of you may not appreciate. It's important to understand the words here in the Hebrew. First of all, write this down. God created man. The word man is a plural word here. That's very important. In the original Hebrew language, it's a plural word. Let us make what? Man. He's referring to the species. In other words, God had a lot of different species already on the earth. He had, you know, fish, 
There's a piece of fish, he had birds, he had reptiles, then he had you know, the animal kingdom, different species in that kingdom. He said, now let us make finally my crowning species. He called the whole species man. Are you with me? Let us make a species called man. Say it again, man. man. Don't miss it, otherwise you can miss the whole message. Man is the name God gave to the species. The species that God's making is a spirit species. Spirits, he called them all man. Let us make man. <laughs> so, number two, man is a created spirit. Write that down. And he has God's nature. I use the word he simply for generic communication. The species is called man, and this man species is a spirit species, and that species has God's image. The word image is the Greek, is a Hebrew word rather for nature or spirit characteristics. Write that down, please. The word image means spirit nature or moral character. Moral characteristics. God made this species out of his own spirit, and it possesses his very nature, his very character, and his characteristics. That means this, this creature is just like him. And he called this creature, this whole species, man. Everybody say man again. Man. So man possesses God's nature. The word nature from the word natural. In other words, this creature is naturally like God. That means when this creature doesn't act like God, that is called unnatural. Hmm. Give you an example. That's why whenever you are afraid, you are not acting like God. That's why God tells you to not be afraid. Why? You are not normal. God is afraid of nothing. And you came out of the same material. So when you are afraid, you're, you, you actually short circuit. You are abnormal when you are afraid. Be not afraid. He has not given the spirit of what? Fear. But of what? Power. That's what he got. Love. That's what he is. And a sound mind. That's what he possesses. Whatever he got, you got. And you are man. Everybody say man. man. Don't miss this. Very important place. So in this room, we have thousands of men. I don't want you to miss this. The spirits he called man. Number three is important then. Spirits have no gender. Nowhere in this book will you find any reference from Genesis to the maps to a male or female spirit. It doesn't exist in this book. Read this Bible back to back and you'll never find any reference to a female or a male spirit. Doesn't exist because spirits don't have genders. Oh, this is so important. My wife is a man. She's a spirit being. Spirits have no gender. That's why spirits don't marry. One time they asked Jesus a question. The Sadducees were sad, you see. 
because they didn't believe in the resurrection. So when Jesus Christ was talking about the resurrection one day, they came to him and said, Master, excuse me, uh, you believe in the resurrection? And they argued, they gave him a question. They said, they said, there's a law in our culture which says that if a woman marries a man and he dies, then she must marry his brother. And then if he dies, she must marry the other brother. And if he has seven brothers, she married all of them and they died. Obviously, this woman killed me. I don't know, she must have killed them, but whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> their question was, who will she be married to in the resurrection? Remember that question they asked him? And his response was important. He said, he said, how ignorant you are. He him. He says, how dumb you are. Didn't you read the scriptures? He says, look, in the spirit world, there's neither marrying nor giving in marriage. Why? Because they are like the angels. There's no gender. You are man. That's why when the Bible speaks to you, God doesn't talk to male or female. Read the Bible carefully. He talks to man. If any man would come after me, if any man, listen to my voice, if any man would turn away, if any man would come, if any man, he's talking to the whole species. This is very important. Man is the name God gave to the species. And the species has no gender. Now, that leads me to number four. Write this down, please. Very important. The physical assignment that God gave, he gave it to a spiritual being. What's the spiritual assignment? The physical assignment is, let them have dominion over the earth. Problem. Earth is physical. Who's he talking to? Man. Man is what? Spirit. He's giving a spirit a physical assignment. Now, the problem is, a spirit is in a different realm than the physical world. Matter of fact, a spirit cannot appreciate physical things. Can I prove it? <laughs> we physically run after gold. God paves his streets with it. You'll die for a diamond. God uses it as a carpet around his throne. See, two different concepts. So God gave a spirit being a physical assignment. Now here's the problem. The man cannot carry out the assignment because he is in the supernatural realm with God. So what does God do? God now has performed a second creative process found in chapter 2. But now in chapter 1, he summarized it in verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image, in his likeness, and he made them what? Male and female. So now he's doing something different here. Okay, follow me. Look at the first uh, words in verse 26. And God said, let us what? Make man. Look at verse 27. So God created man. Okay, write the two words down, make and create. Two different words, two completely different words in the Bible here. Different, different, different. Very important. The first word, make, is the word, write it down, is the word asa, A-S-A, Hebrew word. And it means to form from something that's already present. It means to form from something that is already present. Asa means to make. Now the second word, create, 
is a different word in the Hebrew. It's the word bara, B-A-R-A. Write it down. What is that word? Create. It means, it means to form from nothing. So the Bible says God created you and he made you. He did two different things, two different Hebrew words used. Why? A part of you came from something and a part of you came from nothing. Now, what part came from nothing? It's the part where he spoke to himself. He didn't use material around him to create the spirit of man. He went inside his own spirit and pulled out a part of his own spirit and called it man. You'll get it after I'm gone. This is too serious. In other words, God created you. He didn't use any material around him. God spoke to you and said, man, come forth. That's why God said, let us bring forth this one. So you came out of God. That's why you got the very essence of his nature. You don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. And you are just like the nature of the one you came out of. Can I hear an amen? amen. That's why when Christ died for you, the price for you was not really to improve your value. Please buy this tape. I'm talking too fast. The price he paid for you was the exact price you were worth. Oh, come on, clap, you understand it, praise God. Christ didn't die for you to improve your value. He died for you because that's for you. You were worth the death of God. Now, he created you out of his own spirit, didn't use any material, but now he tells you to take an assignment to rule a planet, which is physical. So now he has to do what? He has to make something out of something that's already there so chapter 2 verse 7 it says the Lord God then goes to the soil and he forms from the dust a earth suit hallelujah, hallelujah. he calls the earth suit male and he put the man in the male some of you are getting it that's why he had to do this and then the, the dirt became filled with the man. Man is what? Plural. Come help me out. Stand right here for me. I want you to understand this. Because women, you will never be the same if you understand this. God only made one earth suit from the soil. He never went back. Today, there are over six billion earth suits, and you are sitting in one right now. He only made one. Here's why. Because God made one earth suit from the soil, and then God <coughs> blew man, the species, on the inside of one dirt suit. So we had one body with everybody. Hallelujah. Is he an awesome creator? So God took everybody, put him in one body, and called the one body male. So we got the male with man. All man is in the one body. Now watch the problem. Whatever the one body does, everybody does. <laughs> so
So God has this one body with everybody, and God begins to talk to the one body. Now you read your Bible, you know the Bible. God says to the one body, he took the one body with everybody, and the first thing he did, please turn to chapter 2, quick, 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 quick. Look at verse 15. It says, the Lord God took, matter of fact, look at verse 8 first. He took the male that has every man on the inside, and the first thing he did was what? Put him in this garden. So the first place God put the male is where? In the Garden of Eden. Now the word Eden means spot, moment, or presence. That's why you can't find Eden today. Eden is not a place. It's an environment of the presence of God. Listen to me, ladies. Listen to me, ladies. Listen to me, ladies. Listen, listen, listen. Quick, please. The first place God took the male body with every man in it is put it in his presence. That means the first place a male needs to be is not in the presence of a woman. Yes. If you leave the presence of God to go and find a male, you have discovered a malfunctioning male. That means a male who doesn't love to worship is a dangerous male to marry. A male who doesn't love the presence of God is a problem looking for somewhere to happen and you're about to marry him. The first question you ask a male who is interested in you is not do you love me, but the first question is do you love God's presence? Come on, shout loud. See, ladies, we keep, we keep messing up. We want to know if he loves us. It ain't us we need him to love first. He got to love God. That's why your house is full of bad music. Pornography. Cursing. Because this male that you live with doesn't love Eden. So God has this one body with everybody. He puts him in the garden. Now look at verse 15. And the Lord God began to talk to the one body. Glory, hallelujah. He's talking to the one body with everybody. Whatever he says to the one body, he's saying to who? Everybody. Now God gives this one body all these instructions. Number one, he puts him in the garden of Eden, verse 15. And the first statement is work. Everybody say work. work. Say it loud. Work. Say it louder. One more time. The first thing God told this male is to work. That means a male needs work before a woman. <laughs> Secondly, God told the male, look at it, he says, dress. The word dress means to cultivate. To cultivate means to make fruitful, to bring the best out and to bring order to. That means a male's first assignment is the presence of God. His second assignment is to get a job. His third assignment is to develop the skills to develop anything he touches. 
including you. That means if he can't improve you, he shouldn't touch you. I'm talking to somebody. Oh, come on, women's conference, let's talk about this. You see, if you follow God's program, you'll never marry a fool. First question is what? Do you love God's presence? Second question, are you working? Third question, can you improve me? See, you even didn't get to love yet. You ain't talking about love yet. You, 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 you covering the bases first. Very important. The fourth thing, read that verse. God telling what? Guard the garden, protect. That means the male was spoken by God, but every man inside, you are to be a protector. God made this male with everybody on the inside. And God is telling the male what his role is by the instructions. He's telling the male, here's your purpose. Your purpose is to stay in my presence, protect my presence, cultivate my presence, and you must constantly be the one to bring others into my presence. That's the male's number one assignment. If a man loves God's presence, he can never slap you. A man can never curse a woman in God's presence. A man can never commit incest on his daughter in God's presence. A man can never rape his cousin in God's presence. God says, I want you to protect this place. Protect what? Eden. A man's number one assignment is to keep God's presence in the house. Now, here's my point. All of this is cleared before God makes the next statement. Then God says what? Do not touch the tree. God gave the male the command. The female was not even here yet. In other words, he gave the male his word. Very important. There's nowhere in scripture where we find God ever telling Eve about the tree. <laughs> and that's because God's intent, his purpose was that the male would be the one who will transmit and teach his family the word and the laws of God. I know what your biggest challenges in your life finding a man who knows more word than you come on tell me the truth that's your biggest problem right they can name every member of the New York Knicks but they can't name the 12 disciples that's why you ain't married today you ain't married because you can't find no guy who can teach you the word all he wants is sex, sex, and sex. And you want the word. Come on, say amen, somebody. I remember Paul talking about this in the book of Ephesians. Paul says, husbands, love your wives 
just like Christ loves his wife. Her name is Ecclesia. And he tells us how he loves. He said, here's how he loves his wife. And you must love your wife the way he loves his wife. He loves his wife by the washing of water by the word. So ought a man to love his wife. So now we have this male with everybody on the inside. All his instructions. Now we look at verse 18. Then God said, It is not good for this male man, the man in the male, to be alone. Write the word alone down, please. A L O N E. Put an L next to the first L, and that's what it means. It simply means all in one. It is not good now for man to be all in one body. Get it? In other words, I got all these men on the inside, but he's trapped. they are trapped in one body. Oh, I'm getting ready to talk about something now. So God says, I will make for him someone who will help get him out. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So obviously two women can't get him out. Now if you all believe the word, I want you to make noise. And two men can't get him out. I rest my case. No legislation in any government can get him out. Oh, you're slow. Let me try it again. No printing of any certificate can get him out. I don't care if 70 bishops voted. They can't get him out. Come on, let the church scream hallelujah. You see, I got a problem. My problem is people who are perverted could come out of the closet by 2,000, 2,500 of them on the steps and publicly, blatantly declare their perversion and we don't declare our righteousness. Now make some noise here. Woo, Jesus, help me. We shall not be silent. Amen. 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 It is not good for man to be all in one body. So I am going to make for him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, he's not talking to the spirits on the inside. He's talking to the body. I will make for him a helper who will help him fill the earth with the rest of man he's trapped with. Yes, sir. No, no, no. Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And both of them will be the agency through which I dominate the planet. They will both be dominators. 
partners in rulership. Lord have mercy. I'm going to talk to myself. Hallelujah. So God put the man to sleep. Close your eyes. I believe God put him to sleep because he didn't want man to know how to make woman. You see, God knew that if man kept one eye open and watched that thing, you would wake up in the night, husband gone, he's in the next room. <laughs> Let's give God a hand for being smart. God, God knocked him out. <laughs> Come on, 2004, let me hear you scream tonight. This is the woman's name. This is your conference. And that's why you put man supposed to marry one woman. Yeah. Ain't supposed to make no more on the side. So God went inside the man and he pulled out, now I want you to watch me now, he pulled out a part. The Hebrew word is not rib. We call it rib. It simply means a part. See, let me tell you the mystery of God. It's not a mystery really, it's scientifically sound. Do you know that every cell in your body has another you in it? Every cell. The chromosomes and the DNA coding in every cell coded for an exact replica of you. That's why they are talking about this uh, cloning because every cell in your body has a complete genetic coding for another you what you got to do is be able to split the atoms in the chromosomes so they can begin a nuclear fusion multiplication to produce a completely duplicate cell that begins to multiply until it becomes an embryo so what God did God went inside pulled off a piece and God split the atoms which means Eve was an exact clone of Adam. Now, watch me carefully. If you read the chapter, the chapter, it says, God formed the man, chapter 2, verse 7, and verse 15, verse 7. But when you read verse 23, 24, 25, it says, God built. See, the male was formed, but the female was in form. She was built. The Hebrew word is different. There are two different words. See, the male, God just did this. Finish. But when it came to this other creature, God built. He built, built. He built. That's why I marry one of them. Mm -hmm. Built. Woo! Glory. You see, that's why I got problems in my mind trying to figure out how a male could look at me and say he likes me. 
ਨੇ ਲੋਰਡ ਹਵ ਮਰਸੀ ਐਂਡ ਰਾਈਟ ਨੈਕਸਟ ਟੂ ਮੀ ਇਸ ਥਿਸ ਬਿਲ ਦਾ ਗਾਇਸ ਗੋਟ ਬੀ ਸਿਕ he built as the hebrew word he built a woman a female and why he built it because he had to make some adjustments see she was a complete replica of him but because of her purpose he had to make a few adjustments why he built her so he had to make some adjustments in the patch so so she can supply nutrients and then he made some adjustments down in the in the genitals so she can carry and have a womb and so he made adjustments and she was exactly like Adam except these adjustments were made so we have we have a male can you help me please can't you belong to him you work with well <laughs> boy you sang tonight too girl mm-hmm. stand in front of him please not in the back in the front <coughs> that's the way it's supposed to stand all the time okay she came he came she came out of his upper part not from his hip not from his back so the woman belongs in the front of the man all the time now listen god built her then god brought her to him woke him up and you see the verse that says he presented her the word present is important god didn't say you will marry her no 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 god doesn't choose your spouse What God does is he parades prospects around in front of you. So don't go around saying the Lord told me you supposed to marry me. You lie. If you like the guy, tell him you like him. Stop using prophecy. See, if God chose your spouse, then you can blame him for all your problems right now. Now, The word says he presented her to the man. Now if you read the next verse, the man started talking. Not God. Read it. It says and then Adam said, is that is that, is that in your Bible? He start he's the one who took her. God's safe. <laughs> I presented her up to you to take her. Adam says, "Wow. Whoa, man." He said, "This is bone just like my bone. Perfect clone. And this is flesh just like my flesh. Perfect clone." And then he says, "Uh oops." And he saw a couple differences, you know. <laughs> then he says, "Except she is a man, but she has a womb. I will call her wombed man." And then he says for this cause what cause the fact that she is a wounded man hallelujah hallelujah you missed it <laughs> he said for this cause because she is not like me for this cause a man should leave his mother and father and marry this thing because she's not like me 
Lift your hands and scream for five seconds. He says the only reason why you should leave home is because you found someone who is not like you. I ain't got nothing about his business. So if they are like you, you can't leave home. I want you to give this tape to everybody you know who's having problems. Listen, he said, he shall cleave unto her and they shall become consummated, one flesh. If you cannot consummate, you cannot habitate. I'm not getting anybody's business. Let me say it again. If you cannot consummate, you cannot cohabitate. And so God has a female now. I want to show you very quickly, as I close, what is the purpose of a female? Are you ready? See? This is, this is beautiful. This is what God wanted all along. Hold your hand out over her like that. Both hands. Like that. See, that's the way a woman's supposed to be all the time with a man. Covered, protected, preserved. All the time. Now, God made her just for him. Read it. He says, it's not good for this male with man to be all one. So Isaac, he got to study what this male was carrying. He was carrying man. The male needs the female in order for man to be manifested. Thank you very much, Adam. I appreciate that, Eve. <laughs> All right, write this down, please, very quickly. God made the male and the female. Man and woman are the same, but male and female are different. Get it? Man and woman are what? The same. They are both spirits, but male and female the house is different. Is that clear? Yes. That's why it's important to understand a female. Next, very important to understand this. The male and female are equal, but they are different. And male and female are earth suits for the man and woman. Is that clear? Okay, so my wife and I are the same spiritually but physically, we are completely different. Completely different. And that's why it's important to understand the difference. Male and female are equal but different. Male and female complement each other. 
Male and female are both leaders and lead differently. They're both leaders now, but they lead differently. And then male and female respond differently to life because they are different. A female responds emotionally, a man responds logically. A female, when she hears words, she has an emotional experience with them. When a male hears words, all he hears is information. They're different. So when you, when you talk to a man, all he hears is information. When you talk to a woman, she's feeling the words. That's why you got to be careful what you say to a woman. If you call a man stupid, he simply thinks, well, that's information. He analyzes it logically. <laughs> I'm not stupid, so what? So he forgets it. Now, he calls a woman stupid. She remembers that for 10, 20 years. Yeah. And she actually feels stupid. See? She has the emotional experience with it. They're different. We respond to life. <laughs> Men and women are different. Male and female are different. When you, when you tell a man something, he files it. You tell a woman something, it's on a hard drive. <laughs> She never forgets it. We're different. It's important to know the difference. Now, look at this other point, very important here. Male and female have different needs because they're different. In my book on there, I hope you get a copy of it, I have five needs of a woman and five needs of a man. They're completely different. They're completely different. And you won't understand how unique you are until you know your, your, your five needs. For example, the first need of a man, and the male rather, is sexual fulfillment. He's driven by sexual passions. But a woman is not. A female is driven by affection. And most men don't know the difference between affection and sex. Amen. When you say an amen loud right in the front of your bed. <laughs> Woo. So most women are looking for a man who can give them affection. And the man, all he wants is sex. And he thinks after he's satisfied, you're happy. <laughs> so he rolls over. And you stay up half of the night. <laughs> oh, I see some of y'all nodding, yeah. Because he thinks that he gave you affection. Not affection. So your needs are different. Needs are completely different. So please get the book and get those other needs. Very important. All right, the next point is important. I want to close on this list. Male and female. The male is in God's image. The male is a worshiper. The male is a dominator, a leader. The male is the head. The male is a provider. The male is a cultivator. The male protector. And the male is a developer. The male is a teacher. And the male is a giver. And the male is the source. Now, source. The Hebrew word for sauce is Abba. Everybody say Abba. Abba. I want to show you this again. Can you come here a minute, please? Can you both stand there again? Okay. Don't miss this. This will save your daughter from a lot of problems. Stand right where you were at the same time. Right back there, please. Quick. I want you to see this. Everybody say Abba. Abba. Write the word Abba down. A-B-A. -A. The word Abba is the word sauce. S-O-U-R-C-E. Sauce. It also means sustainer. Everybody say Abba. Abba. So in the Hebrew language, 
when you see the word sauce, it is spelled A-B-A. Now the word sauce or Abba is what we translate as father. Write that down, father. Next to the word Abba. So the word father is the word Ab or Abba. It means what? Sauce and sustainer. So if you study this wonderful picture here, where did God go to get the female? He didn't go to the soil. He went to the male. He went inside the male and pulled her out and built her. So the woman came from where? The male. So the female came from the male, which means that the male is the source of the female. Automatically, he is called Abba. That's why no woman could be father. Is it making sense? So when Paul talks to us about this authority thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, look, 10 and 11, he talked about the whole thing there. He says, look, men did not come from women. Women came from men. So the head of every woman is man. And the head of man is what? Christ. Why? Because Christ produced the man, the man produced the woman. So everybody is arbored by whoever sourced them. Now follow me. The source, the word Abba, also means sustainer. Which means whatever came out of you, you have to sustain. Y'all are slow. <laughs> Let me get deep. Can I get deep for a minute? Okay, I want to get deep. Okay, back, listen. Up on the balcony, listen. I want to get deep. Listen to this. A, a real woman is not looking really for a husband. She's not really looking for a lover. Listen carefully. She's looking for a father. Now it gets deep now. Watch this. That's why most women are still not happy. Because they're married to a lover. All he wants is sex. Wants her to cook for him. Iron clothes. And she's not happy. Why? This ain't what she was looking for. She's looking for where she came from. She's looking for who? A father. Now, watch this, it's important. That's why, oh, nowhere in the Bible does it ever command a woman to leave her father. Check it. What the Bible does say is for this cause should a man. Only the male leaves the father. Why? Because the male is a father. Which means when a woman changes fathers, she simply moves from one father to another. <laughs> that is why when you read the Bible, the standards of the Bible are very clear. If a woman, no, if a man wanted to marry a woman, she, he never was supposed to go to her. He first go to her father. Talk to me. And they used to talk about how much he has. Why? If I'm sustaining my daughter at $2 million, and you want me to change fathers, then I got to make sure you have $2 million. 
Help me, Jesus. That is called a dowry. The dowry is, if you want my daughter, then whatever standard of living that I brought her to, you can't go no lower than that. Oh, help me, Jesus. Ah! Hey! Excuse me. Ah! Labukasha you see that's the problem yes. some of you ladies are already valuable yes. and then you marry a bum Look at that. you already got your house your car refrigerator clothing iron washer and then you marry a guy who ain't got nothing stupid and now he's sleeping in your bed eating your food driving your car watching your TV go home and tell him get Everybody say Women's Conference 2004. It changes here. Write this down and we're going to quit. See, this woman is looking for a father. Have you noticed, listen to me carefully, have you noticed that the longer you stay married, now watch this, you naturally begin to call your husband, daddy. <laughs> Am I right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Do you know why? In the spirit of the woman, there's this natural desire for father. What she's looking for is not a playboy. She's looking for a father who will provide direction for the family, counsel for the children and her, who will give her protection preservation sustenance wisdom you know what makes a woman angry I know what it is just makes a woman angry when when she asks her husband uh, what do you think dear and his answer is what do you think see that makes you angry doesn't it yeah makes you angry Why? You want a father. Listen, direct this family, dummy. Oh, come on, praise his name, somebody. A 
woman only wants to talk about an issue because she needs to talk. In the end, she wants you, brother, to make the decision for the family. She's looking for a father. That is why, here comes the revelation. That is why, oh, you got to get this time. See, Jesus came back to earth because he had to restore the whole thing. So we have Adam again. He is the second Adam. And he comes and God goes into his side on the cross with blood and water and produces a woman called Ecclesia. Oh, you missed it. The church. His wife. <laughs> now you understand why Isaiah was not confused. When Isaiah said, I see a sign. The virgin shall be with a child and give birth to a son. Everybody say son. son. And he shall be called Emmanuel. God in the flesh. Chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Then Isaiah seemed to be confused. He said, and his name shall be called. Now this is the son now. The son's name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. That's what fathers do. Mighty God. That's protector. Ever. I rest my kids. Thank you very much. <laughs> Come on, clap your hands, all you people. Hey! Everlasting Father. That means even though he's the son, but to his wife, he'll always be Father. Write this list down quick, closing list. This, this, this is what you are. This is the most important part of the message right here. Here we go. A woman is the image of God. She's also a worshiper. Because you, you don't need to be spirits to be worshipers. My wife doesn't need me to worship God. She's a spirit. They don't worship God. Worship God how? Spirit. So you don't need to be married to worship, to worship God. So stop saying you can't worship God because you ain't married. That's a lie. If you are a spirit, you can worship God. All right. Number three. A woman is also a dominator. She's a leader just like the man. Except a man leads by position power because he was made first. A woman leads by influence power. And influence is more dangerous than position. Because influence influences position. Don't you get it? By the tape. <laughs> That's why men always need titles to be in charge. Women don't. They just be in charge. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. See, some of y'all think that President Bush is the president. Mm-mm. Some of y'all thought that Bill Clinton was the president. Mm-mm. <laughs> Some of you men think you are in charge of the house. <laughs> Women lead by influence. And that's why they are so dangerous. Because you see, position power has to be noisy. That's why men have to talk. They like give commands. Shut down, shut up, sit down, come here, move that. That's men. Women, they just look at you. Silence.
can't riot. If you study the Bible, every great man was destroyed by a woman. Study the Bible. From Adam, <laughs> Abraham, Abraham heard from God himself, personally. Now when a man hears from God personally, that's a deep revelation. He goes home, his wife told him, do something different. He obeys his wife. Come on, talk to me. You are powerful, ladies. David, the Bible says Saul has killed his thousands, and David has slain tens of thousands. One woman got it. <laughs> Jimmy Swigert, millions of souls come to Christ. One woman got it. Jim Baker built the television. One woman got it. Bill Clinton, president. One woman got it. <laughs> the best thing you women in this church can do is to stay away from this woman's husband. You got to protect this church by respecting her husband. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quick, write this down, please. I'll finish it now. He's the head, but she's what? The helper. She helps him lead. She's a leader, but she helps him lead. He is a provider, but she is what? An incubator. That's what a female is. She was born to be an incubator. Now, an incubator is a very interesting creature. To incubate means to receive, give life, and give back. I'm going to say it again. To incubate means you receive, you multiply, you give it life, and you give it back. Every female was built by God for that. They receive, they multiply, they give life to it, and they give it back to you. That's why you are so dangerous. Because God has given you the, the power to take something and give it life and make it bigger and then give it back. Now, this is important, ladies. It took me 25 years to figure this out. That's why a woman has a womb. That's why when Adam saw, Adam actually called a wombed man, an incubator on two legs. That means a female incubates everything for example if you give a woman a house she'll give it life and make it a home if you give her groceries she multiply it give it life give you a meal if you give her a sperm you don't get a sperm back she multiplies it gives it life gives you a baby if you give her frustration she multiplies it and gives you hell woman a word you get a sentence you give a sentence you get a paragraph you give a paragraph you got yourself a book come on ladies you know it's true 
Listen to me, ladies. Very important. That's why men need to be at women's conferences. Let me tell you why. The men need to learn about this. You see, um, uh, uh, an incubator never originates anything. This is very important to understand about a woman. An incubator receives things. Then they give it life and they multiply it and they give it back to you. So whatever a man is receiving from a woman, if he doesn't like it, he has to check what he's giving. Oh, it's too deep. Matter of fact, the fall of man, the fall of man was simply a malfunctioning female and an irresponsible male. Here's what happened. God gave this man this garden. He told him all these fruits to eat and then he made the woman afterwards. Now she's an incubator. That means Eve was only supposed to give to Adam what he gave her. But she comes with this fruit that he didn't give her. Now his first question should have been, where did you get this fruit? <laughs> Let me prove that. Let me prove that. The Bible says when she picked the fruit, nothing happened. She ate it. Nothing happened. She swallowed it. Nothing happened. The human race was still intact. In other words, let me take you to the next one. It's related to this. She's a producer. She's an encourager. She is a nurturer. She's a prophetess. Let me talk about prophetess a minute. A female, because she's an incubator, she prophesies. Let me explain what I mean. A woman, whatever she receives, she multiplies and gives it back to you. That's why the Bible says when the Spirit of God comes upon all flesh, the men, the old men shall see, shall have dreams. Young men shall what? See vision. But it says the handmaidens shall what? Prophesy. Very specific. Why? Because see, a female is an incubator. So when, a, when, when the man receives the vision, like your husband receives a vision, he tells you, Taffy, this is what the Lord told me. And the Lord told me to do this and do that and do that. Are you listening? He says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You're listening. And you take it in. A few years afterwards, he's discouraged. He's frustrated. I don't think this is good. I'm tired. And then you, what do you do? You kick in. I'm right away. You start kicking in. And he, she starts prophesying back to him. But didn't you tell me that the Lord told you? See, and it comes back. Now, most men call that nagging. No, that's prophesying. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Let me prove that. Jesus himself. Jesus has a woman, his wife. Yes. Her name is Ecclesia. Yes. He said to her, he said, look, but I told you, tell me and I'll do it. Oh, you don't get it? You get it? Prayer is coming back to your husband and saying, you told me.
You're going to do this. Now do it. Come on, scream and shout hallelujah. When you go home, take this tape to your husband and say, honey, listen once. Because from now on, whatever you tell me, you are going to hear it again. My wife is an expert at prophesying to me. And how the church does to Jesus. Prayer is not coming up at your own request. He watches over his, the word he told you, to perform it. But he says, you repeat it to me first. Because you're my wife. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the woman is a powerful creature. Write this one down, please. She's a receiver. A incubator only received that's why a female was built by God just to receive if you look at a man's body ain't nobody received look <laughs> that's an exit that's not a that's not a reception <laughs> keep the camera on praise God it is illegal to enter an exit Everybody shout amen. amen. Illegal. Amen. <coughs> now, if you study a woman, a female, there's nowhere for her to give. She is a receiver. But the male is a giver. She was designed to receive. It's very important. That's why everything a woman sees she wants <laughs> you know it's true that's why a woman can buy a brand new shoe on Monday morning <laughs> Monday afternoon she wants another and the guys can't understand it but honey you just bought one yesterday she that was yesterday Now think about this. She's built that way. That's a purpose, it's to receive. So if you're a smart man and you figure out this revelation, all you gotta do is keep giving to her. 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 And she'll function for you. Like a mean machine. Now if you wanna see a woman short circuit, start taking
why rape is so devastating because a man took something from a woman his wife 